Hi, and welcome to another episode of Django Chat. I'm Carlton Gibson, joined as ever by Will Vincent. Hello, Will. Hi, Carlton. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about security, which I'm kind of excited about because it is a deep and important topic. And I think it's interesting when I'm teaching beginners and I sort of say and then show them the web is a really, really dangerous place. <laughs> and it's why framework like Django that takes a lot of effort and a lot of precautions it really helps you out. Um, so I think we're going to talk about what are these classic dangers and then what does Django do to help you with them and then how do you configure it? Yep. So let's start off. So why is the web dangerous? Um, the web is dangerous because there's lots of bad actors, but really bad bots out there trying to hack your site for whatever reason. Uh, we've talked about this in other episodes. If you have a slash admin page, you know, as a default, you should change that because you or I could create a little bot that goes around to every website out there and looks for a slash admin and tries to it's much it's much worse than that because it's not that we create that bot it's that there are scripts down there are kits downloadable off the internet that have have scripts to check every known web vulnerability in every known framework and how to set that to every addressable ip ip address that your computer can reach so it's like you just have to set up your thing and fire off this kit and this will go and find every server out there and try every vulnerability against that server right this is this was called there's probably still is script kitties back in the day where you can download and run something you don't know how it works but you can still cause a lot of damage so this is why it's important to keep updated people think oh you know it's not going to affect me i've got a small site i don't you know this security no this security your it's if you have a weakness in your application it's not if your application will get hijacked it's when it's right well and let's talk about you know so what are the I <laughs> just thinking of I just saw a headline uh, Athena, which is JP Morgan's trading platform that does billions and billions of dollars of trading. Um, they've publicly announced they're not going to make it over to Python three by January first. So that's a big invitation to hackers, just on the Python side. Not to mention um, Django's updates coming up. You want to you want to stay up to date. But let's talk about so the biggest risk too. So experience- yeah, okay, but it, it, that's slightly different because they'll pay people to meant to, um, to backport security fixes to 2.7 for as long as they have to, right? Yes, but still there will be yeah, that's perhaps an unfair it's just going ex- to be dis- example. It's, it's just for them, for them it's just going to be disproportionately expensive because they'll have to pay, you know, super consultant rates for every, you know, thing to make sure that they get past compliance that they've done it whereas everybody else who can't afford that budget is just going to be stuffed. Right. <laughs> I would say. Well, so what's so what's the, before we get into the technical things? The, so the biggest risk is what's called social engineering, which is people. So that's some individual who has access to things is compromised. Either they're disgruntled, but more likely they click on a phishing link. So someone sends them an email that looks like a real email. They click on a link. I mean, this is what happened um, in the U.S. in our elections. Um, some people in Hillary Clinton's staff clicked on phishing email links. Click on one link and it goes to a site that looks like a site, but it's not. Um, we'll get into how that kind of works, but and then that person because that person is their level of permissions are now owned by Russia or whomever. So the biggest risk is always people. So you want to make sure that you set permissions. You don't give permissions are set appropriately. You want to have a lot of permissions levels in your uh, application. You also probably two factor authentication is a good idea. I know there's some talk about. Uh, eventually rolling that into Django itself. But permissions, I would say, is the biggest one. Like, for example, do yeah, non-engineers would... need write access? No. Yeah, I mean, there's this kind of principle of least privilege, right? Yeah. So, the, you know, and it might sometimes be a pain. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if I could just do this thing? Well, do you, do you need to do that? Is it not just for the sake of security better that you can't do that and you have to go past this through this other person who can? And Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a tough job to be the you know chief security 
officer or whatever the title is, especially at larger companies, in some ways you're you're the whipping post because it it is ex- it seems like it's expensive upfront to do all these things until something bad happens, and if you don't do these things, they will happen. So it's it's you know it's important to do the I mean the number two risk I would say I'm curious what you think Carlton after people so social engineering would be uh, updates just keep up to date keep up to date with Django most of the minor releases are security related uh, especially third party packages for example Django Crispy Forms um, just went from up to one point one point eight point zero but um, the mm-hmm. one from one point seven one to one point seven two there was a, a security issue there right that I know Adam. Adam Johnson and you were mentioning I should update my books to uh, fix that. But yes, anyways, like, I mean, the key the key point is keep like the minor fixes. They probably you know that's where you'll find oh there was this little injection of vulnerability. Let's patch that right, up. Right, the minor fixes are almost release. always a security thing. Well, I, mean, I guess what else yeah. would they be? Maybe like some egregious bug fix, but well, it's basically partic- yeah. Well, like, it depends on the policy, right? So Django itself, like the main. The, ma- the current major version, so currently 2.2, will receive bug fixes for the, the, um, the current, for that current version, but bug fixes for new features, right? So if it was a new feature introduced in 2.2, then you'll get a bug fix in 2.2.4, say. But beyond that, the extended release, all, you know, the 1.11.25, that's... The LTS. That's, yeah, the LTS, all those, L- all those long year and a half, two year, three years of whatever it is of... Um, security releases they are you know they are security releases they we they would also get data loss bugs but those are so few and far between as to you know almost never happen um so the majority of patches there are are security fixes and most of them are public in that you know there's a there's a um uh, a database a cve database of um, security exploits and you publish those so that people know about them and know what the mitigation is and you know, secu- people who are interested in security subscribe to that those mailing lists and they know about them so they know what to update. It's really important that you keep up to date. And as yeah. I said, it was, as we were talking about at the beginning, it's because for every vulnerability, someone will write the... And it's not someone evil, it's be a penetration tester, a pen tester. Right? Someone whose job it is, is to find out whether an application is secure so that they can secure it. But they right. write... Inter- they yeah, write so the this kit, is internally at a company, yeah. But the kit can be used for good or for evil. You know, it, it can be used... To, to, uh, for penetration testing which is a legitimate use or it can be used for penetration which is obviously not so yeah, good less legitimate and we've we've talked in another episode about how to update uh django there's all these great deprecation warnings and what you want to do is you want to go through and run oh i'm forgetting off the top of my head what is it it's with the w flag you, what's the yeah you would do so you so with so python and then cap dash capital w for warnings right and if you put warnings all or wall Right? It, it's because it reads like wall, but warnings all. Then all these deprecation warnings um, or, or pending, de- so there's kind of levels. A pending de- deprecation warning means it's not quite deprecated, but it will be soon. And then a deprecation warning means, hey, you really better fix this now because it's going to disappear very shortly. Um, but by default, pending deprecation warnings are silent. So with it, without this yes. W all flag, yes. they don't show up. But you want to run that at least time to time or at least in perhaps in your, um, in your CI as a different build so that you can... Um, you can see these deprecation warnings, and then the, you've got ages and ages to fix them. So, uh, yeah, like you yeah. know, if if there's a if there's an, a deprecation introduced in Django 3.0, it will be it won't be removed until Django 4.0. So you've got like three whole versions to or however to, many to fix yeah. it. Yeah, like yeah. 3.0, 3.1, 3.2, and then 4.0. 
Is that the is that the agreed timeline? There's yeah, only going to be three point two. Yeah. So we so the way it works now is we have um, the new the the the, the point two version will be the LTS, and then the okay. next major version will follow that. So three point two will be followed by four point Okay. Good. So what else? Uh, well, if, if you're curious on, I'll just slightly plug myself. If you're curious on how to actually step through all this, I have a whole chapter, actually a couple chapters um, in my book, Jenga for Professionals, on doing this, on making something production ready. Because um, the information is out there, but it may not be in the most concise form. So what's another step? Environment variables. This is another must-have for security. And basically, anything you don't want to put secrets in source control. So you don't want something... For example, your secret key in your settings file, API keys. You don't want that floating around so anyone who has access to your code base, any employee of any level can see them. So you create an environment variable, which basically lives separately. And how would you, I don't know, how would you describe it, Carlton? What's, how well, would you describe okay, so, the environment variable? Well, okay. So um, in the Unix environment, every, every process which is launched gets an environment um, Dictionary, basically, a di- right, a dictionary as it's launched, of, yeah. with keys to strings, which um, the the launching process can set, and it will be inherited from the, the launching process. Hence, you know, when you're in Bash, you might you might have you might have put export um, Django settings model. The the export says and pass this down to the um, child processes. Yeah, so you can store those environment variables a whole bunch and then of places. You can, you can access them, them, but you can access them in Python with um, OS by the OS environment environ or the OS module dot um, and then get environ or the environ dictionary you can access directly you can set environ and you can use those um, to inject these environment variables into your settings file so so when you first start Django start project you get a settings file and it's got a generated secret key for you and that's fine for when you start but before you deploy you want to change that to use an environment variable and then you can keep that in a, a .m5 file people use a lot and then the, you know there's various ways of launching with with that environment ver- with those environment variables in your in your process environment right and you probably want to generate a new secret key cuz chances are you've done a couple yeah, 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 commits yeah, 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 and yeah. actually there's a there's a I'll put the command there's a neat command you can use Django's uh, generator but basically it's a 50 uh, char- 50 character long string random string um, that's generated that's, re- that's that it's it's really important. Yeah, that I mean, if someone has a secret key, that's that's the... session session keys, all the encryption, like everything. It's all uses this as kind of like a seed. And if yeah. that seed's known, then you know, then all of that can be um, broken because the algorithms are uh, are known, and they're it's good that they're known because then they can be audited. But the seed has to be kept secret; otherwise, they don't work. Right. And again, any commit ever that just one commit out of a thousand that happens to have the secret key or some other secret there is available to anyone who hacks into your GitHub, GitLab, whatever, anyone who has access to the code base. So change it. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah. And the, but these things are cheap as well in the, you know, like UUIDs or, or whatever secret keys, you can just generate a new one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. It's not, it's, it, there's not much cost to doing it. Um, and I would mention, so what else? Uh, I mean, the main ones we've talked about this in a deployment episode um, we go on at length, but you know, turn debug off. <laughs> yep. um, you want to set your allowed host so you can't just let any old person come in. And if you run yep. the, um, the, there's a deployment checklist built into Django and there's docs on it, Python manage.py check uh, dash dash deploy, it will say, hey, here's all the things you want to make sure are configured properly for production. Yeah, so, you have again, to set we, this header or that header, strict transport, all these kind of things that you might do. 
and then for me the thing that you you need to do more than you know the sort of general rule is handling user input so yeah that's the big uh, one and the goal here is you must always filter input and that always means always pass it through a form with whatever validators are sensible or you know a rest framework serializer or, or something like that so you filter all input and then you escape all output so if you know you take if you're going to take user generated markdown and render it to html and put it on a page you must you must run that through a sanitizer like bleach or you must escape it right now obviously you have to if you're generating html you have to run it through a sanitizer like bleach because you, you, if you escape it you'll just see you know html in your html page and what does it mean to sense. escape something Carlton? well okay so to escape something um so um, django gives you the um the escape utility which will for instance take all uh opening angle brackets and convert them into um and lt semicolon html entity so instead of it look so if you put if you had angle bracket p close angle bracket instead of it appearing as an html tag a paragraph tag a p tag in html it would appear as um the html entity less than the html entity greater than right. p in between so it would it would be viewed uh, you'd see it as as the html on the as, as the rendered page like, yeah it just makes it it's less really hard to describe that yeah it's uh, well i pos- i partly tossed it to you because it's a little hard to describe so i actually have if i have a of a link an html escape tool that i built just with javascript that um on my website, wsvincent.com slash HTML escape tool. So you can play around and you can escape or what is it? Um, uh, unescape. Entity encode. Yeah. I was going to say, is it de-escape? Anyways, these are... No, it's got to be un- unescape now. <laughs> anyway, let, let, let. All right. So yeah, user input is dangerous. Um, you can't trust someone out there and you want to do all these, you know, so if you use, use Django so forms... So sorry, the escape function is in Django.utils. Great, great folder. Do go and rummage through there. HTML, HTML, and then there's escape, there's unescape, there's uh, conditional escape, format HTML. There's all sorts of good, good stuff in there. Yeah, strip tags, all sorts of extra. Yeah. So we could. So let's see. So what are the common attacks? I don't think we covered this in the deployment um, episode, but just just very briefly, common web attacks you should be aware of. So the top one is or one of the top ones is SQL injection. So someone has your form and tries to put some SQL in there, like delete database. Um, well, you, you hear about the school where they had little Johnny tables. Who what? No, I don't. There's a, there's a joke about, it's just a stupid programmer joke, but about how the, some parents named their um, their son, uh, um, you know, something, something, colon, delete from, or semicolon, delete from, you know, take oh. users where... It would be it would be fun. I I know these exist, but uh, it'd be fun to build a a hackable Django site. You know, maybe just like in SQLite, and just you know pull off the protections and just let someone actually do this. Because the problem is, it's you don't want to <laughs> play around with this on real sites, and a lot of real sites are just uh, shockingly susceptible to these things for one reason or but another. Okay, but it's remarkably hard to these days, fortunately, to get. SQL into your database directly. Like yeah, you have it to, is. You you have to like you know. So say you're using Django, you have to get the connection, then you have to pull out the cursor, then you have to concatenate your string, and then you have to like you know that stuff's known, but it's not in any of the the books. You have to you know dig down and and work out how to use that. So you wouldn't be able to get user concatenated SQL into your database if you're using the the ORM unless you tried. You, you'd have to really right. Another reason to use of 
a good framework like Django instead of doing it raw, among others. So what else? Um, XSS cross-site scripting. Someone injects a little bit of JavaScript into your page. This is why you want to automatically escape um, user input. CSRF is a big one, cross-site request forgery. That just basically exploits the trust in a user's browser. So this is why whenever you're doing a form that has a post in Django, you want to put in those CSRF tag to load in the CSRF middleware, which will puts in a random secret key, basically as a cookie that doesn't let you... So so what, how, why does this work? It's like if you're logged into two different... Um, what's the classic example? If you log into a banking site, a server sends back a, a session token. Again, this is because HTTP is stateless. So each request is kind of independent. But what happens if... I get in a separate tab, I have an email open, someone sends me a link, and it sends me to something that looks like my banking site, but it's not actually the banking site, but my browser already has loaded my uh, token. So basically, that person on this fake banking site, because I'm logged in in another tab, in this new tab, can act like me and can do all sorts of nefarious things like take out money, because I'm still logged in. So this is I mean, sort of the fundamental trade-off of the statelessness of the web is this security problem of how do you know that another tab open is actually the correct one. Yeah, and so what you do, what the CSRF does is it injects this CSRF token in, in, and it, you know, if standardly it's required for all post, all post requests which are going to change something. And it, if the post data doesn't include the correct CSRF token, then the, the post request will be um, rejected even if all the other fields were valid. But you still, you have to add the CSRF tag. Yeah. Right. So, so right. So, if you're rendering a form, you have to add that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I wonder if almost never would you not want to have that there automatically. Yeah. No. I mean, like this used to be a a, a a big issue, and it's almost not an issue at all anymore because the modern web frameworks, not just Django, but all yep. the modern web frameworks, handle this in more or less the same way. And it's kind of as long as you follow the practice and you use CSRF. Yes. You really are protected. You know. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of nice you know anyway. so what else are there some others that well i can go through so click jacking that's another one there's a middleware to protect against this that's if someone puts a hidden iframe so an iframe could be when you put another site in a site so for example if you have a google maps embedded on a site or a youtube video but what happens is someone can just because it looks like something doesn't mean it's what it is so someone could show an image of a kitten and you think, oh, that's a cute kitten, but actually it goes to Amazon and tries to make an order or something on your site. So Django's yeah. uh, click-jacking middleware checks basically whether a resource can be loaded within a frame iframe on the page. Is that, is that yeah, right? You basically want to, yeah, yeah. And you basically want to say no. Um, yeah, almost. So that, like, I mean, you may, can turn it you off, know, but almost never do you want to yeah, I mean, like, someone do that. I can't think that I've wanted to actually embed my own site in a wireframe more than a few times ever. Like, if you're if you're if you're discuss right where they've got that comment widget thing, yes, that you embed it. Then okay, then you need people to be able to embed your site in an iframe. But if you're not discuss, is it discuss discuss? Yeah, it's D I S Q U S. Whatever how you pronounce it. Yeah, I don't know. It's comment, so I thought it was discuss. Yeah. But yeah, built with Django, I believe. So okay, well there you are. Go discuss. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, if you're not them, have, when have you ever wanted to put your site in an iframe? Like, yeah, I mean, the only you know that I think the classic example is just like a a static site where you want to, I don't know, like a, or a WordPress site for a client we want to put in the map so people can find it, something like that. But on a Django site, um, I mean, you can still do it, but that, that's the only example I can yeah, think yeah, of. No, I mean, there are you, you know, there, if you, I don't know, 
like these little widgets where you want to embed it in some other site, then yeah, okay, you might use an iframe there because um, they're still the most pa- you know, they're still the most powerful way of being able to do stuff on your site. Right, but it's also the the danger of a widget is you're trusting that widget and all their friends to be good actors, um, and they may not be, or maybe they are, but then you're still using the widget and someone takes control of it, or you know. So this but, is yeah, I mean, so I've, this so, is the I've problem sort of said like, this pattern a few. Uh, I've suggested this pattern a few times on the podcast, but if you're in this kind of situation, then what you actually want to do is have two Django apps. You want to have your main Django app, which is sensible and doesn't let, you know, it's got all your on-site functionality and it um, doesn't let anybody embed in an iframe. And then with the same project, you just want another whiskey.py file somewhere else that serves a an optimized and minimized um, Django app, which just does the iframe necessary bit. And it doesn't have access to all the other stuff because you don't want, you don't need to have all that in all of it in one application. The same with async stuff. You might, you you might need only a couple of endpoints which need the new async stuff. Or we'll just serve right. those from us with a with a different worker with a different um, you know server and have most of it going through the you know tried and tested whiskey pipeline and then just have you know your web sockets coming into a different worker a different um, server endpoint or a different in a process. Yeah, that seems like good advice to me. So, so so what's the takeaway? So security is important. Django basically has you covered, but you have to use Django appropriately. And that would yeah. means, I would say, definitely run the deployment checklist. Yep. Uh, make sure you're using environment variables. If you do yep. those two things, Django will hold your hand. Uh, there's a host of smaller things, but that gets you most of the way there. If you, if you pass yeah, fil- the... I'd say one more that you got to fil- filter input and escape output. And if you do that, the major attacks are covered. Yeah. So three things. Because it's, it's cross-site scripting, right? If, if you don't, you know, that's the big danger. Is, um, but I mean, but Django, if you're using Django templates, they automatically auto-escape uh, auto this, yeah, this yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, they do. They do. And they forms do. also do um, check validation and uh, forms will also protect you. Right, but the the, the, dan- the difficulty comes when people want to, for instance, allow user-submitted URLs. Okay, so then you've got to. You've, there are filters like um, uh, UR, IRI to URI, where, which you should run any user submitted um, URLs through to make sure they're incorrectly URL encoded. And like escaping's a bit more complicated than Django does it all for you. Yes, if you just if you if you just have the um, if you just take the user submitted content and you you put it into a template, Django will auto escape it. But sometimes you don't want it escaped because an escaped URL won't work. So you need then to run it through the appropriate filters to make sure it's safe to present that URL. Right. And you mentioned too, just the, the Django Bleach package, which we'll link to. I well, wonder- Bleach is, Mozi- is a Mozilla package. So this is, so say you want to, you, you, you actually want to present user submitted HTML. So you can't escape it because it ceases to function as HTML once it's escaped. So you, you have to sanitize it and Bleach is a sanitizer and it will, um, enable you to um, provide a very limited set of tags and a limited set of attributes and anything which doesn't match those gets stripped out. So for instance, GitHub have a markdown editor field, right? They, you can't put any old HTML in there. There's a very limited set of HTML. You, you try putting a strip, script tag in there, it just won't appear because yeah, they, just, they, they filter that out. I was just wondering if, so there is that Django Bleach package if, if that, if you would recommend using that versus oh, just I've never used that. I, I didn't even so I didn't even know there was a Django Bleach package. I don't know what yeah. it offers. Um, yeah, they, they for me, I just without, use Bleach. 
And I guess, well, this last tangent, I mean, that's something I find more and more as I'm progressing in my Django journey is that I see, well, specifically with Markdown, I'm building something that I'm using Markdown and there's a whole bunch of Django Markdown packages. But I mean, I can also just pull in, what is it, Markdown 2, whatever the Python library is and create a custom template, uh, custom filter. So uh, it's sort of a nice place to get when I look at an app and can think, do I really want all that functionality and all that um, trust that comes along with it? I mean, a lot of times it's helpful, but if I can just do it manually more and more, I would rather <laughs> roll it myself if I can do it concisely. Okay, so this, yeah, and this comes back neat, neatly full circle. The number two um, risk we said was um, not updating. And why don't people update? They yeah. don't update because there's a third-party dependency which isn't compatible with the new version. Yes. So don't take on third-party dependencies is is a big issue. We just had one with Django today. Python 3.8 has been released. And there's this traceback lib that we use um, with the test runner to format, um, format tracebacks. And that's great. But it's got a bug that's fixed in master um, against Django uh, against Python 3.8, but it's not been released yet. So we now have to we've had to insert a conditional skip this test if this version is lower than because to, in order to get around that and and Django doesn't take on dependencies for exactly this reason because then we're we're tied on them. Mm-hmm. And okay, that will be released soon, and then you know we'll be able to drop that skip if. But projects really get stuck. Oh, I'm using you know this third party package which hasn't been updated in three years, and it's not compatible with any supported version of Django. So I'm on an end of life Django because of some third party package that I took on because it saved me half an hour on the first day. <laughs> oh, that is so true. That's so true. I think I think half our listeners are going to go, mm-hmm, and half are going to like. That's an interesting idea. Right, so don't take on third-party dependencies. I mean, not for not unless you know it's don't interesting. Do it li- don't don't do it lightly. A, yeah, don't don't do it lightly. Is it when? What's its update cadence? So, like you know, okay, you t- we mentioned crispy forms that had been, been updated. It hadn't been updated for a year and a half, but it hadn't need to be because it was two point two compatible a long time ago, and we've just updated a release which is three point compatible. And since my talk at DjangoCon Europe, I've had loads of new contributors to help me get the Bootstrap stuff going much better. So I'm really pleased with that. Thank you, everybody who right. joined in. Right. I, I, um, Right, but the whole point is, Crispy Forms is stable as as whatever. A year, a year and a half between releases is not a problem for Crispy Forms. But a package where it's new, you know, it's only had thirty commits, it's only got one contributor, and it be you got to be really cautious about taking that on. Can you can you get what you need from it without having a third party dependency? If you can, I would recommend it. Right, I, I almost wonder. It'd be nice if there was a. <laughs> like a check mark that you could see oh something hasn't been updated in a year but that's because it's fine or it's because it's super stable right well but, but like a stability thing because even crispy form or you know whatever package is stable there's still going to be a, a whole ton of issues and NPRs and if you're not knowledgeable you may well there may be some and you may look and see well this hasn't been updated for a year and a half and I see a whole bunch of PRs I don't know if I can trust it and it turns out those are minor things versus a ooh yeah. like there isn't Python three support. That yeah, we, um, I don't know the answer and, to that. To be honest, other... that that's difficult. I mean, that took. I mean, that's that took me but... a long time. I used to be like, oh, you know, I can just bring in this third party dependency and bang some stuff out, and then I, you just find yourself getting into a um, a spider's nips. Is that the right? A spider's nest? Is Spider web. I don't know, but tangled up. You get tangled up in these dependencies which aren't really giving you much value. Okay, that's a lot to say on security. Hopefully, that helps everyone. We'll have links to everything. As ever, we are at DjangoChat.com, chat Django on Twitter, and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Join us next time.